All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Sons of History podcast. We're going to have a great conversation, extremely in-depth. I highly encourage you to take out your notes. Why? Because I'm Dustin Bass. And I'm Alan Joaquin. Yes, he is. And he sounds absolutely delicious. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) You know, I thought about uh, saying wonderful, delightful, and then I was like, delicious? That's going to sound so terrible. And yet I went with the the, the, the worst option of the three. How you doing, Obviously. man? Welcome back to uh, Texas. You were off in Arizona for a little while. How was all that? Uh, I had a great time. Uh, very telling. Very uh, Arizona's a fun place. Saw a lot of Trump flags, a lot of Trump stickers. Yeah, Didn't they had like a, like a 96-mile parade, didn't they? Yep. 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 Saw nothing, nothing for Biden. Not saying that it wasn't there. I'm just saying I didn't see anything. Well, what I think I mean, it I, was, I think I literally it's, saw, I literally saw Trump flags. I saw mountains, mountains that had like people, you know, like the Hollywood sign Yeah. With, with the big letters. I saw it in a couple places. Trump. Wow. Yeah. They even had that in how in, in uh, Hollywood. Like what, in, in California, like they had the, the Trump sign up uh, in, yeah. in California. Um, well, maybe maybe it's a maybe it's the old switcheroo. You know how there's been like nobody wanted to come out and say that they were a Trump uh, supporter or they were going to vote for Trump back in 2016. And even afterwards, like you're like, who'd you vote for? Like, ah, you know, you know, it's that's my personal, you know, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Maybe it's maybe it's switch. Now people don't want to admit that they voted for Biden. Who knows? Maybe that's the maybe that's the situation. Yeah, I mean everything's plausible, but everything is plausible. This is true. This is true. Um, so, now yeah. you ended up you ended up hanging out with one Wyatt but two, even someone greater because they're alive currently, Joe Wolverton. So yes. tell me, yes, you know, he's a brilliant, brilliant man. We were having, he, um, we met him for lunch, uh, me, him and the, the, the couple I was staying with, um, great couple, Paul Varda and his uh, girlfriend, Karen. And, uh, we went and had lunch at this one place. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was somewhere in either Gilbert or Mesa. And we sat down and we were, we sat down for about maybe an hour and a half, two hours, and talking to him about the Constitution, it's kind of like what I mentioned uh, earlier, that it was like having lunch with uh, Madison or Jefferson or even Patrick Henry and getting their insight on federalism and the anti-federalists and what the Constitution was supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I learned quite a bit. You know, I asked him some specific questions. Like you and I were kind of... Uh, confused when he stated that the United States is not a republic. Yeah. And I asked him to clarify that. Mm-hmm. And his response was that the United States was meant to be a confederation of republics, 50 republics, at the time, 13 republics. He said each state is supposed to be a republic. Yeah. The 50 states are in a confederation, um, very limited in what the federal government is very limited in what it's supposed to do. 
Um, he also mentioned that the word federal government wasn't even uttered, that it was called a general government back in those days. Hmm. So, you know, I was reading his book, uh, what, Ma- uh, I think it's what called degree what of madness. madness, what degree of madness. I was reading that book and, um, interesting how the federal government, general government was supposed to be here. The state governments were supposed to be here. State governments have the power. The general government was supposed to, again, just, you know, international trade, defense. Mm-hmm. But everything else was here. Yeah. And slowly but surely. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. What is Absolutely. Now you have uh, people, we being in Texas, we're more conservative. Mm-hmm. We are about to have, if, if Biden wins uh we are about to have a northeasterner and a californian dictate how the whole country the whole country's supposed right. to run yeah rather than just doing the minimal uh again defense trade um treaties yeah they're going to go into all of our lives into everything that we do mm-hmm. tyranny tyranny that's what it is. It's tyranny. That's what it looks like. All right. Before we get uh, too headlong into a different conversation, uh, we are going to be talking about all that could be taking place within the next week or so before the 14th and even after the 14th, January 6th up to January 20th. Some interesting stuff uh, that you'll want to know about. But let's do our quick book, book and movie recommendation. Um, let's not spend too much time on that because I could definitely go down a rabbit hole on my choices. Um, so I'll, I'll go first, and then we'll jump right into it, shall we? Sure. Let me enjoy my delicious cup of water. What are you drinking? Cup of water. It's a cup of water? What a weirdo. Why don't you get some tea or something? Tea? See, mine is, uh, mine's the Sons of History coffee mug with hot apple cider. I'm just drinking water. I need it. Yeah, it's got to stay hydrated. So um, if you want to purchase one of these mugs, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to our website, thesonsofhistory.com, and check out our merch store. But my movie recommendation is one of my all-time favorites. In fact, it is pretty much my all-time favorite Christmas movie. Um, As I said before last week, I'm going to be dedicating all of this month to some Christmas stuff. And what is it? Hello, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Claymation. It is a classic. If you have not watched this movie, and I'm quite certain that you have, um, watch it again. If you haven't, watch it. And if you got kids who've never experienced it, let them experience it. It's 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 really good stuff. Um, <laughs> Santa Claus is a punk on this movie uh, for certain, um, but it's it's really good stuff. Just the the claymation. Um, technology from back in the day it was i don't know it's it's a throwback for sure all right uh my book recommendation this guy has come back uh, and it looks like he may be coming back in full force jordan peterson the man the myth the legend the canadian legend jordan peterson's book 12 rules for life in fact i believe he just uh released or is about to release his new book 12 more rules for life i think that's the name of it uh, I will be looking forward to getting that and reading it. Read this one. I was thinking about it the other night. I read this book so quickly because it's such a fascinating read. If you have not read it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you've got sons, 
um, or men, young men, particularly, if you are sort of trying to figure out uh, your way through life, by all means, get this book. All right, that's you my know, I, I, recommendation. I watched him. I watched him on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I just, I love listening to him. The guy is very wise. And yes. I like how some of these reporters are just trying to instigate a fight of some sort and putting words in his mouth. Oh, so you don't think women are intelligent? Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, I know I never said that. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, so you're saying that women can't do what men can do? Well, no, that you know, and and it, I mean, this reporter just kept asking stupid questions like that. Right. It went on for thirty minutes. Yeah, it's so. and he usually catches them in in some type of stupid, or they just hang themselves in the conversation. Yeah. All right, my movie recommendation uh, came out in 1967. It's called A Guide for the Married Man. Uh, Gene Kelly directed this movie. Now, the part that I found fascinating, I was hoping that we could play it on here, but it didn't uh, sound didn't seem to come out come out well, was there's a scene where Joey Bishop is caught in bed with another woman by his wife. And, you know, she starts screaming at him and, and he and the woman get out of bed and start putting on their clothes. And the woman slips out and Joey Bishop just sits down on his little lounge chair and smokes a cigar. And it's like, what, what are you talking about? What? I mean, who, 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 who was I in bed with? What are you talking about? There's no woman here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I just saw you with another woman in bed. What woman? And she goes into the bedroom. The bed's all made. Woman's not there. And then she goes back to him and says, okay, what do you want for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) and it's like it kind of reminds me of what we're seeing yeah but the media the newspapers are all like no it's not you you don't know what you're talking about you have no proof you you have that just and this yeah this is not happening right facebook will slap that big joe biden is the projected winner Mm -hmm. which i know this is what our conversation is going to lead to yeah Book? So, all right, book. The Black Book of Communism. A <laughs> good bedtime reading right there. <laughs> yes, it, it's a chronicle of every region, every country, everything that got hit by communism. Hmm. And it even talks about like Cambodia, for instance. I was reading the part about Cambodia, very fascinating. The things that went on when communists took over socialists they were socialists but they you know they were wanting a communist society which they never could achieve they created a socialist society mm-hmm. in their hopes of it leading to communism full communism um and i guess this book just leads you down the path of how it's done well it it it's a like i said it's a chronicle of what happened when the socialists slash communists took over mm-hmm. and for all those people who sits who sit and say, you know that, uh, you know, we don't want the the socialism of Venezuela or Cuba. We want the socialism of Scandinavian countries, yeah. which, by the way, is not. They're not, they're yeah. not socialist. You they can go back. You can go back about a year, a uh, year and a half. We did a, a thorough conversation on that. I remember yeah. doing that. Free market. So. They're free market capitalists, but with a generous welfare plan. Yeah. So, but. If, if you really want to know what it's like to be in a social slash communist country, 
That's the book. That's the book. All right. So let's uh, go ahead and get started. I will recommend also some light reading. Go check out the Electoral Count Act of 1887. All right. Let's move on. The blue shift. I want to talk about this. Uh, This was mentioned a number of times in a really good um, document that was uh, put together. It's called Preparing for a Disputed Presidential Election, an Exercise in Election Risk Assessment and Management by Edward B. Foley over at Loyola University Chicago Law Journal. Uh, or Loyola University Chicago, they put it in their law journal. Uh, this was written in uh, last year, last winter, actually. Uh, so it is very interesting because th- the things that he brings up are happening to an extent right now. And the examples that he uses, he's like, okay, let's just use a couple of examples, which to an extent people may be like, oh my God, um, he's using Pennsylvania and Arizona. And those are the two that are actually, well, he's he was more or less leaning towards which states were going to be like swing states. So he chose Pennsylvania and Arizona, which were obviously going to be two swing states. Uh, so I, I wouldn't read too much into that at all. Um, but he talks about, um, the possibility of major vote shifts, a blue shift, which would happen after the election, right? Or after election night when ballots come in. And he's mentioning um, this, and, and we've seen this. I want to get on this real quick about the major vote shifts that we saw. We saw major vote shifts, like major vote shifts in Pennsylvania. We saw it in Michigan. We saw, we saw it in Wisconsin. Uh, we saw it in Georgia, right? And, mm-hmm. we, and um, we didn't see it in Arizona. It was always uh, Biden ahead um, by, by uh, I guess, a relatively good margin, but they wanted to call it really, really soon. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there were some... I, I, actually, I actually watched it live when Fox News uh, called it for Arizona and everyone was shocked. Yeah. Because only a small minority of votes uh, had even gotten through. Yeah, it was very, very strange. Well, we're talking blue shifts of upward of 50 to 75,000, upward of possibly even, you know, upward of 100,000. Because I know Pennsylvania, when I went to bed, I think he was up by what, 120, 150,000? It was a a pretty large margin, percentage wise, even. Yeah, it was. And, uh, and it was about a 750,000 vote uh, margin that evaporated pretty quickly. And by the time I went to bed, you and I, you said you went to bed around uh, midnight. I went to bed around 1230. And when I went to bed, it was about 120,000 uh, in between. But he, he mentioned, this is what he, he writes <clears throat> regarding the blue shift. He said this blue shift flipped the result. And he's talking about in 2018. Um, the blue shift flipped the result of one major election, the Arizona U.S. Senate race. Martha McSally, the Republican candidate, held a lead of 15,403 votes a day before Election Day, or a day after Election Day. That's important. But by the time the canvassing of returns was completed, her Democratic opponent, Kristen Sinema, had won by 55,900, a gigantic overtime gain of 71,303 votes during the canvassing process. But most consideration... Of the blue shift in 2018 focused on Florida. Both the United States Senate and governor's races in that perennial battleground ended up extremely close. 
A day after election day, the Republican candidates were ahead in both, but by only 30,264 votes in the Senate race and only 50,879 in the gubernatorial race. So, as the blue shifts started to erode these leads, Republicans became fearful that their leads, like McSally's in Arizona, might disappear completely. Trump himself took to Twitter proclaiming the Florida election should be called in favor of Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis in that large numbers of new ballots showed up out of nowhere and many ballots are missing or forged. An honest vote count is no longer possible. Ballots massively infected must go with election night. Ultimately, the GOP held on to win. Uh, the Democratic candidate for Senate incumbent Bill Nelson gained 20,231 votes during the canvas, during the canvas. But that still left Rick Scott with a narrow 10,000 vote margin of victory. Likewise, a Democratic candidate, uh, Andrew Gillum, uh, Gillum gained 18,416. Um, but Ron DeSantis still won. These votes were like, as, as Trump was tweeting out, and this is a, this is an echo this year is an echo of 2018 and to an extent you can you know you can look at some other other weird stuff in 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 recent years but uh even even other races like the um was it the the guy over in michigan who was running against gary peters uh he was he was well ahead and then all of a sudden overnight there was a switch the the blue shift it's very interesting that it is the blue shift uh, it's not the red shift and it's sort of this, um, they had laid talking heads had laid the groundwork. And I think I talked about this in, in last week's podcast, they laid the groundwork for the things that were going to happen in September Axios interviewed, um, it's called Hawkfish, which is owned by, by Bloomberg, Mike Bloomberg. And it's a data company. And they said, look, here's what's going to happen because Democrats typically vote by mail or, you know, they, they, they do their mail-in ballots. Um, they, they have a, at, le- at least a higher percentage. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to see Trump way ahead election day and election night. And then in the coming days, more votes are going to come in and Biden will win. Now, he said that on Axios and then Bernie Sanders repeated that almost verbatim on Jimmy Fallon in October, mid-October. So all of this was sort of laid out there like, look, this is what's going to happen. Don't be alarmed. And it's like, look, if there's a few thousand votes, okay, that that's something. When you're talking tens of thousands, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, what, what was it? Uh, I don't know if it was in Pennsylvania or Michigan, where 36 to 64,000 ballots came in and only 3,200 were for Trump, mm-hmm. which is just an astronomical figure yeah. that um, everywhere that I've been reading that it's just statistically impossible. So what do I think when I, when I look at it, even if I, even if I were, I've already stated numerous times on the show. Yes, I am a conservative. So Throw that out. But even if I was completely unbiased, I would still say, yeah, some, that just does not look right. Yeah. That, that statistically, that's just not a possibility. Um, so, yeah, when I see something like that, my, I'm, I'm immediately suspicious. The, all the votes that are coming in, we don't know 
if these are legitimate votes, mm-hmm. it, is it a possibility that, okay, we know how many votes we need. We're going to dump this whole, you know, let's say we're 10,000 short. We're going to dump 30,000 just to give it a comfortable 20,000 lead. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I've been thinking. If I even looked at another country, a banana Republic of some sort, mm-hmm. Oh, they, you know, and, and it's always like what you're saying. It, it always seems to fall in the favor of the blue. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me from the perspective of the, the numbers are oh, so insurmountable. And I've asked mm-hmm. people, I've said, put the shoe on the other foot. What yeah. would the world be saying? What would the media be saying if it was flipped? If yes. Biden had been up by 100,000 votes, hundreds of thousands of votes, and all of a sudden... Doop, 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 with the same yep. exact methods and questionable activity that was done, like in Georgia with the with the with the briefcases under the table. Now, whether that's legit or not, we'll we'll see. But if that's if that's being shown on video, uh-huh. the world would have blown up, right? The thing well, is that I mean, we're going I'm on seeing... in Pennsylvania, you yeah, know, what, covering what up seeing... covering up the walls. People, if Democrat uh, challengers had not been allowed to you know, get close and, and challenge this stuff, yeah, the world would be going nuts. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why I, I mentioned the, that movie about, uh, you know, the married man. You're seeing things. Your eyes see things. Mm-hmm. But you're being told, no, nope, there's nothing to see here. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, too much suspicious activity. I saw, I, I'm watching all these videos. There was one, and I believe... I believe it was in uh, either in Detroit or Philadelphia, where there was a, 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 a poll guy that would not let a bunch of Republicans in. They were they were clearly annoyed because there were nothing. There was like a majority, if not total, Democrats that were observing the vote. There mm-hmm. were no Republicans in, and they're like, "Look, just send out some of the Democrats and send in us Republicans, so that there will be an equal amount." Yep. And the guy was like, nope. And they were, they were up on the roof. I don't know if you saw that video. They were up see. on the roof. The guy would not would not let them in. I saw another video where they had a court order in their hand, piece of paper that stated that they had the right to go inside and watch. Yeah. And there would be a lady that just would not let them in. And then, like you were saying, they were, they were putting up um, poster boards on the windows so people couldn't watch. Yeah. It's yeah. so weird. It's yeah, like right. you do that when you don't want people to see and be like, well, you weren't right. hiding anything. And they're like, right now the, uh, you know, there was a Republican that was removed from, um, uh, what, uh, where the votes were being counted and the Democrats and all of the, the, uh, people counting the votes yeah. were all applauding mm-hmm. as they were being kicked out. Now the briefcase under the table, when the Georgia people were kicked out, you know, we're not, we're going to halt vote, halt the voting. I was I was observing on social media and some other places to see what uh, Democrats were saying. Mm-hmm. And all they've said was, this is not proof. This is not proof. Yeah. Video footage, video evidence, um, actual evidence of dead people on the voter roll list, uh, dead people having voted. Um uh-huh. Eyewitness testimony. Look, you only need two eyewitness testimonies to convict somebody of treason. So according to the Constitution. So you've got all of these hundreds of affidavits signed 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the chick <laughs> in uh was it Michigan? And she is like, he goes, well, I don't really see how 30,000 votes can, you know, and she's like, and he's like, with, with the system, you know, how did, how would the system, you know, get messed up? And she's like, oh yeah, what'd you do with it? Something crazy. <laughs> I was like, and she's like, she's like, well, I signed something that, you know, if I'm lying, I can go to prison. Did you, you know, he, she was yeah, very that, competitive. She was good, very funny. That's yeah. a good point. I mean, you have these eyewitnesses mm-hmm. that are swearing. Yeah. And the penalty, from my understanding, the penalty is prison mm-hmm. if they're lying. And they're sitting there swearing that they witnessed things that were just inappropriate, fraudulent. Yeah, it was nah, like nothing. there was there was a, a, a statement made. Um, I think it was in Michigan. Um, in D, it was with the D, Yeah, it was in Michigan. It was uh, about Detroit. And. This this lady, the the congressman lady, uh, she was saying they're all lying. They need to be under oath. And Giuliani is like, these are they've already signed an affidavit. They're just saying what is on the affidavit. So more or less, they were already under oath. Um, mm-hmm. This guy Edward Foley goes on to talk about the possibility of um, disputing the election result based on a potential cyber attack, right? Well, you've got the Dominion voting systems that have obviously been undermined. Uh, You've got the USB stuff. You've got um, the connected to Wi-Fi, which is against the law, which is against the election, the Federal Election Commission. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of stuff is like happening. But he says the key premise of this article is that it would not take an extraordinary calamity like a foreign cyber attack for there to be conditions enabling partisans to dispute the result. Instead, a dispute engulfing Congress could arise from a situation as routine as the kind of blue shift that, in his quotes, described at the outset. Given this possibility, it is truly irresponsible that Congress has not attempted to eliminate in advance of the 2020 election the appointment of electors would be, um, no, 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 eliminate that line. My bad. Um, but he's just saying uh, that it doesn't take some type of cyber attack um, to throw this to throw this off. Um, he said, if Trump was able to convince at least his own Republican supporters that the blue shift was an electoral calamity comparable to a cyber attack, thereby nullifying the validity of the canvas and the overtime count, which is the the main source of the the issues going on. His argument that direct legislative appointment was necessary to fill the void left by the invalid blue shift would strengthen correspondingly, at least in the eyes of his own supporters. So he's saying, like, more or less what Trump has, to an extent, said. Look, all of this stuff is is fraudulent. Everything is crazy. You know, you look at the numbers. Now you need to do the right thing. Take back your constitutional right, which we'll get to in, in a little bit. Um, and you appoint, he's talking about the state legislatures. You appoint the electors yourself. And he says, in any event, this analysis will proceed on the assumption that Mike Pence, as president of the Senate, receives two sets of um Two sets of electoral votes from Pennsylvania, one reflecting the count of the canvas certified by the governor and the other reflecting the legislature's assertion of its authority to directly appoint the electors. So he's saying that there is a chance that he president or vice president Pence will end up getting 
to um, more or less uh, electoral consensus. Um, he, he's going to get two of them. One that is sent by the governor and the secretary of state, and the other one that is going to be sent by um, the state legislature. And obviously he's saying on the side of, there's obviously going to be some disruption and dispute, but on the side of the constitution, it would go to the state legislature. Yeah. Article two, section one. Right. So, um, yeah. I, it's, I want, very, I want, it's very specific about who decides the electors. It correct. says the state legislators. It does not say the governor or the attorney general. And the thing is, I was in conversation with someone on uh, through our Sons of History Instagram account, and we were talking about um, how just um, how over time it's been uh, really not the the Constitution, the Article Two constitutional method through the state legislature. It's been okay. Here's what uh, the election results say. And then the governor signs off on it and sends it off. And then, you know, those are the electoral college. It's almost to the, to the extent, um, what, what a lot of people have said, uh, or believe, oh, it's, uh, the media has said they won. So therefore it's all said and done. And mm-hmm. to an extent like that's, that's how bad it's gotten. Well, I mean, I, I remember what it was like in 2000 and, uh, you know, it was, they, they did the recount in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I remember it went on, I think, for what, 30, 37 days or something like yeah, that? Yeah, 36 or 37. I've seen, I've seen yeah. both, yeah. And there was, a, I believe there was a time, I think her name was Catherine Harris. She was the Florida Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. And she certified the vote. And even the media was like, nope, nope, not good enough. And it wasn't until uh, the Bush versus Gore case with the Supreme Court was finally decided I think it happened twice. One was, one was either unanimous or seven to two, where it was kicked kicked back to the Florida Supreme Court, and they said, "Okay, tell us how in the world did you come up with this decision?" But then when it came down to where the Supreme Court said enough, it was a five to four decision in favor of Bush. Yeah. And uh, then and only then was Bush declared the president elect by the media. Um. Not so with what's going on right now. Now it's yeah. like uh, Chris Wallace is even jumping on the uh, Health and Human Secretary Azar. Mm-hmm. Uh, sir, it's not Vice President Biden. It's President-elect Biden. Uh, sir, it, uh, you need to clarify that it's it's President-elect Joe Chris Biden. Wallace. You know. <laughs> yeah, Chris Wallace is scolding the uh, uh, Secretary Azar because uh, Azar called him Vice President uh, Biden. Yeah wild stuff what is is the deal i mean well you have to keep in mind alan that currently biden holds the most powerful office in the world the office of the (laughs) (laughs) president-elect anyways this guy goes on edward foley goes on to say this this is pretty this is pretty good in a genuine emergency which i He's, he's making comparisons, even though he didn't know that all this would take place. But it's interesting that a lot of people sort of helped laid the groundwork, Trump included, that, hey, massive fraud is going to take place. And William Barr as, as well, like massive fraud is going to take place. And this guy says in, an, in a genuine emergency, which you and I, I think, agree with all that has happened, the chaos and, and just the shady dealings, this is a genuine emergency. 
He said it would not raise serious due process concerns for a state legislature to step in and appoint presidential electors directly when otherwise the state would risk losing the opportunity to participate in the presidential election altogether. He's saying just because um, a state is used to doing things a certain way, and they've done maybe for decades, doesn't mean that the state legislature cannot just overnight uh, or the next day say, you know what, scratch it, we're doing it ourselves. There would be no necessity for due process because it's already in the Constitution. There would be no need to go before a court. Uh, He said Congress itself has explicitly recognized that, quote unquote, the electors may be appointed on a subsequent day in such a manner as the legislature of such state may direct. End quote. If and when, quote, any state has held an election for the purpose of choosing electors and has failed to make a choice. And I think that that is going to wind up being the case, is that you're going to have um, states that are like, they're going to be in contrast with the Secretary of State, uh, the governor, and they're going to be like, forget it. We're going to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Do you see that that taking place? Dude, I was on freaking the Secretary of State of Arizona. God bless her heart. Whoa. She's like far left. I'm like, no wonder she's signing off on stuff. Do I see that happening? I mean, it, it's it's possible, but, you know, I, I don't know how to answer that one because yeah, some no. people, just, you know, I mean, anything, anything can happen. Anything can happen. You know, is the deep state real? I think the deep state is real. Yeah, I think it's been real for there's a long a time. Lot, there's a lot. The establishment, even establishment Republicans, they have their reasons for not wanting Trump there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bushes and the Clintons and Obamas. And, and you know, when I see the behavior of Mitt Romney, it, it there's, something just doesn't feel right. There's yeah. just something is not right. It's kind of like when Jesse Ventura became the governor of Minnesota. You had the Republicans and the Democrats something didn't feel unite right. to get they, they united to get rid of him. Yeah, because he was an outsider. Well, here's hmm. Donald Trump. He's an outsider. Yeah, he, you know the Bushes. The Bushes sure as hell don't like him. Right. They they tolerate him, and then well, we know how, what the Clintons feel. We know what how the Obamas feel. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want an insider in the White House. They want someone who, you know, plays along, who. No, they, God, no, they do. That, they do want an insider in the, in the White House. I think that's what you meant to right. say. You know, like when I saw how John McCain campaigned, when I saw Mitt Romney, Bob Dole, I, I remember thinking, is, is that the best we have? I mean, something's not right. The way McCain and, and Romney were. Yeah. Something just didn't, you know, there was just something's not right. I, you know, I really felt like McCain really was in it just so that, I mean, okay, if I win or lose, who cares? My man Obama will get in. Right. He didn't want to attack him. He didn't, It. you know, it's, I, I want to mention something. When your eyes see something, mm-hmm. but you're being told something differently. You know, I mentioned that movie again. Where Joey Bishop is in bed with his wife. We've mentioned 1984 several times. Uh, Winston Smith worked, uh, well, he was looking at some figures from the Minister of Plenty. I'm gonna, I just want to mention this paragraph real quick. It's, it's, I believe it's in chapter four. Okay. Uh, the Minister of Plenty's forecast regarding the output of boots 
for the quarter at 145 million pairs. The actual output was given at 62 million. Winston, however, in rewriting the forecast, marked the figure down to 57 million, so as to allow for the usual claim that the quota had been overfulfilled. In any case, the 62 million was no nearer the truth than the 57 million or than 145 million. Very likely, no boots had been produced at all. Likely or still, nobody knew how many had been produced, much less cared. <laughs> all they knew was that every astronomical number of boots were produced on paper, while perhaps half the population of Oceana went barefoot. And so it was with every class of recorded fact, great or small. Everything faded away into a shadow world in which finally even the date of the year had become uncertain. You know, I read this book a while ago, and I, rem I always remember that quote, how your eyes, you're being told, oh, that's not, that's, there's no shred of evidence. Yeah. You know, I mean, here, this book, was, this book was written in, I believe, in 1948, released in 49. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But back then, George Orwell was warning people that your eyes will see one thing, but the government and, the, you know, the Praetorian Guard known as the media will tell you something totally different. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, OK, I'm going to mention climate change. I haven't felt it getting warmer and I'm always told, Oh, that's because the area you're in is not getting warmer. Everywhere else in the world is getting warmer. Yeah. Except okay. all the other well, places that aren't getting warmer. <laughs> you know, and I'm told that the oceans are rising and I, I see pictures dated from like, you know, 50, hundred years ago, water level is still in the same spot. Yeah. Water has not risen. The sea, le the sea level has not risen. So. Well, hell, Alan, who are you going to believe? You, them or your lion eyes? Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, my, uh, my eyes are all anecdotal. Uh -huh. Everyone else, everyone else in the country who sees the same thing, well, that's just anecdotal. But we're getting empirical evidence from the United Nations. All right, well, <laughs> who put that? Who put those statistics together? Top men. You know, you know I love from? that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> who? Top uh, men. Men. <laughs> One of the great endings. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so I wanted to just throw that out there. That uh, no, it's come true, my friend. It has come true. Yeah. It's happening right before our mother effing eyes, and we're not even opening them up. They're like, yeah. well, no, I take that back. There are a lot of people who are opening up, which is why you see the outcry. God bless them, and, and I, yeah. I, I, I do take that back almost wholeheartedly. But there are so many people. Who, who may, and this is the more dangerous thing to me, there are so many people who may be seeing it and be like, whoa, this is not right. But it is the person that they voted for, so they're not going to say anything. If anything, right. if anything they're not going to say anything. There's some who are so bold as to actually come out in defense of what is happening because they want that person, Trump, out of office so bad, which is what you see a lot of. And, and that's a real danger because it goes back to what that phrase that I, I like to use, like you, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in. And I think a lot of people think that it's going to be very easy to bring um, integrity back to the media and journalism. It won't. 
It's done. No. Uh, there are going to be certain ones that it will take a long time, but all the ones that you used to trust, like the New York Times, Washington Post, and people like that, like those will have to die off. Social media will never be looked at the same. Um, the structure of government will never be looked at the same. Um, and, and everything is going to have to change and alter um, and be more or less just you're going to have to have the you're going to have to have justice to be served, which means right. that people will have to be brought to justice, which is why I said um, in the last podcast, like all of that's all that's going on in the courts right now is important, even if it means Biden ends up winning anyways. What's important is that everything is brought to the forefront. People are put on trial and the truth is brought out. And then you let the chips fall where they may. Well, I mean, but it's not going to happen. Do you remember the IRS scandal? Well, where they yeah, were going exactly. Yeah. Is it going to happen? Nothing ever was happens anybody, anymore. Was anybody prosecuted? No. Anybody prosecuted in the IRS? No. That, that one, the one lady who ran the IRS, I don't remember her name. But uh, she either pleaded the fifth or fifth. said no comment. It was the Fifth Amendment, every single question. Right. And, okay, is somebody going to be prosecuted? And I don't think anyone's going to get prosecuted if if it's proved. I mean, you're, you already have so many people saying, oh, no, that's not, uh, that's not fraud. That, that's not fraud. I mean, it's absolute, no it's absolute immunity. Yeah. Now, my view has been this. Yes, I wanted Trump to win, but I wanted Trump to win fair and square. Mm -hmm. If I knew that there was some cheating, I would be, I mean, I'd be cringing. Yeah. And I'd be like, this is not how to win the game. No, I'd be sickened. You just, you can't do it this way. You have to, you have to make it so legitimate that the other side won't be out protesting. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I remember when, uh, when Trump won or was uh, on inauguration day, it was either that day or the or the very next day, there was protests all over the country. Yeah, and I'm like, why are you protesting? There were protests the day after the election when yeah. when uh, when Trump had won, and I was in, I remember uh, I was in Florida. Uh, we were on vacation, and people were protesting. Why are you protesting? You lost the election. Yeah, it was it was but it was part of this resistance movement. And you're like, what, right, what are you resisting? It has to be legitimate. It, you know, if you want to, you remember, I, in 1984, when uh, when Ronald Reagan captured 49 states, mm -hmm. there was no protest uh, whatsoever. There was nothing that the Mondale supporters or the Democrats could say made Trump, made uh, Reagan illegitimate. Mm -hmm. Reagan clearly won. It's what I wanted, too. I wanted to see, okay, Trump clearly won the election. If he won it under questionable means, you know, I, I would not be happy. Yeah. And I would not be sitting and telling people, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're, mm -hmm. you're making stuff up. Right now, you know, we're on the short end. And I, I'm, I am very angry. I'm very angry about the fact that this could have even happened. Yeah. I'm very angry that this wasn't even prevented from happening. Um. We're, we look like Venezuela. We look like some, you know, yeah. banana republic right yeah. now. We're, I mean, we're, we're the laughing stock. Freaking laughing stock. I mean, Dominion Dominion voting comes from Venezuela, does it not? Yeah. What the hell are we doing? What are we doing with, you know, I talk with people from Venezuela and, and you know, I've seen the rallies for and against uh, Maduro and Chavez. And, you know, maybe Chavez won that first one. 
But ever since, overwhelmingly, the number of people that, uh, you know, rallies can be a reflection Mm -hmm. of what's really taking place. And, you know, it's dangerous to be in a rally against Maduro or Chavez in Venezuela. But yet millions of people were out in force. And how in the hell does does the socialists keep winning? Dominion voting machine, obviously. Yeah. You rig rig the votes. You rig the votes. You win. That's just plain and simple. Yeah. So uh, let's let's bring out some some interesting data points uh, that I ran across. I shared with you uh, as well. I think earlier today or, or the other day, um, and I saw this and I and I you know I checked on on some of these these numbers and I'm like, man, and, and some of them are actually uh, they're actually worse than what are what's stated here. But it says for nearly 150 years, every president who has gained votes in a reelection campaign has also won reelection. Well, Trump gained 11 million more votes in 2016, but Biden somehow overcame those odds. Yeah. Trump won the highest share of minority votes for a GOP candidate since 1960. Trump grew his support among black voters by 50% over 2016. Biden's support among black voters fell below 90%, the level below which Democratic presidential candidates usually lose. Biden shattered the popular vote record while winning a record low of 17% of counties. And that's true. Obama won 873 counties in 2008, while Biden won only 524 counties in 2020, but somehow outdid Obama in total votes. Now, I actually, I looked at some of those, that numbers, and I saw it was, it may, it, it may have gone up to 524 counties, but what I was seeing was 477. Um, but it may have gone up by, by now. Uh, Biden is set to become the first president in 60 years to lose Ohio and Florida on his way to election. Biden is set to become the second president in 168 years to lose Ohio, Florida, and Iowa. Trump won 18 of 19 bellwether counties, which have a near-perfect record over the last 40 years. Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton across the country except for in a few cities, Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta, and Philadelphia. Republicans won across the country, but Biden somehow beat Trump. Republicans won 27 of 27 House toss-ups while keeping the Senate majority, we'll see, and winning more state House chambers. If anything, they will will have at least 50 uh, Senate seats. Um, No incumbent who has received 75% of the primary vote has ever lost re-election. Trump won 94% of the primary vote, which is the fourth highest all-time Eisenhower, Nixon, Clinton, and Obama. In fact, Trump is... Only one of five incumbents since 1912 to receive more than 90% of the primary vote. Trump set a record for most primary votes received by an incumbent in history with more than 18 million votes. So those are just some numbers going in line. Like it is, it comes down to who are you going to believe? You're going to believe the media or are you going to believe your lion eyes? Are you going to believe politicians or are you going to believe your lion eyes? Like when, when the numbers, are you going to, are you going to believe those numbers? Are you going to believe me when I interpret those numbers incorrectly for you? And that's what it's come down to. And people will be like, yeah. And it's, it's a regurgitation of this whole COVID stuff. It's just like a a guy was, a guy fell off his motorcycle and and died and you're, you're blaming it on COVID. Well, you never know. Uh, COVID could have caused him to crash. It's just, it's, it's stuff like this. And that's an actual story. So let's get on with the amendments. I want to bring up the amendments, in particular, the 12th and the 20th amendments. Now, the 12th amendment and 
we can go ahead and break this down as we go through. Because right now, this is ta- this the Twelfth Amendment is talking about how um, the president and vice president get elected. Now they made these changes uh, shortly after the Constitution was put in. Uh, I think it was 1804 where it was officially ratified. And I, yeah, I think I think it was because of the the Jefferson the 1800 uh, election when Jefferson and Aaron Burr both uh, received the same amount. Yeah, because they were they were both uh, they were running, running for. Yeah, they were running mates. Yeah. And uh, Burr was like, hmm, I got the same number of electoral <laughs> votes as uh, Jefferson. I think I should be the president. Yeah. And so that was uh, that got a little crazy. So they decided to change it up. And here's what it says. The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for president and vice president, one of whom at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. They shall name in their ballots the person voted for as president and in district ballots the person voted for as vice president. And they shall make distinct lists of all persons. When I said district, I meant distinct distinct lists of all persons voted for as president and of all persons voted for as vice president and of the number of votes for each, which list they shall sign and certify and transmit sealed to the seat of the government of the United States directly to the president of the Senate, which would be the vice president. The president of the Senate shall in the presence of the Senate and the house of representatives open all the certificates and the votes shall then be counted. Um, So, continue the vote despite disputes. Um, There's obviously going to be, I I know that there have already been some representatives, uh, and I'm not sure if any senators, but some representatives, Republican representatives who have already said, we're going to contest these votes if they come in and they're um, for for Biden when we feel that they shouldn't. Um, Thoughts on that? Like, I, I mean, I, I know we're cause, gonna... I'll tell you, it will it, cause some riots. Yeah. It will cause some riots. And because a lot but, of people don't know um, that this can actually take place according to a law right. that we're going to talk about a little bit in a little bit. But yeah. Right. I mean, people don't know their constitution. They don't know the Bill of Rights. Right. They don't know the amendments. So, yeah, I, I do... Uh, what I'm going to see is is that uh, they're going to look at this as a coup. Even mm-hmm. though I think that this is already a coup, they're going to look at it as a coup against Biden. Correct. And they are going to they are going to fight. And I can I can just see if uh, if Trump gets elected president by the electors. Uh, imagine what the first State of the Union address is going to be like. I'll be. There. I mean. <laughs> It'll be. I remember there was this uh, this one Democrat who walked out in the middle of his speech. I can imagine all the Democrats will get up and and walk out. Oh yeah, more than likely. Yeah, more than likely. Or they might not even show. Or you know, it'd probably be a walkout, probably to it'd to make it in, in more embarrassing. Yeah. So it goes on to say the person having the greatest number of votes for president shall be the president, if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. And if no person have such majority, then from the persons having the highest numbers, not exceeding three on the list, three people with the highest numbers of those voted for as president, the House of Representatives shall choose immediately by ballot the president. But, and this is a big but, but in choosing the president, the vote shall be taken by states 
So it won't be based on electoral college. Uh, the representation from each state having one vote. So there'd be 50 votes in all. And a majority of all the states shall be necessary to a choice. So a majority of all the states, not a supermajority, not unanimous, a majority of all the states, uh, which I would fully in- anticipate that all 50 states would be involved in this uh, was such an important matter. And if the House of Representatives shall not choose a president whenever the right to choose shall devolve upon them before the fourth day of March next following, which is actually changed in the 20th Amendment, which is actually this year, um, I think it's uh, January 6th, then the vice president shall act as president as in case of the death of death or other constitutional disability of the president. The president, the person having the greatest number of votes as vice president shall be the vice president if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. And if no person have a majority, then from the two highest numbers on the list, the Senate shall choose the vice president. So the House chooses the president, the Senate chooses uh, the vice president. A quorum for the purpose shall consist of two thirds of the whole number of senators. And a majority of the whole number shall be necessary to a choice, but no person constitutionally ineligible to the office of president shall be eligible to that of the vice president of the United States. Okay, so let's say that somehow, some way, neither Trump nor Biden, after all of this takes place, that neither one gets a majority of the votes, right? They don't reach 270. After um, lawsuits and legal battles and recounts and whatever. And maybe state legislatures just say, whatever, we're not certifying anything. We're not sending anything. Um, we're disputing this whole thing. Right. And then the, the so those electoral college numbers go down. Um, let's say that it has to go to the house of representatives after, after they get through counting. Um, who knows what ends up taking place with that you end up having the House of Representatives um, choosing uh, based on, I guess, the, the numbers that that come through, and whoever has has the highest uh, numbers, not exceeding three on the list of those, because uh, it says um, if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. Um, so, and if no person have such majority, then from the persons having the highest numbers, not exceeding three on the list. Uh, the House of Representatives shall choose immediately, and that's the one vote per state. Uh, so that could come down to deciding who is who is president. Um, and, and, and one of the things that you have to keep in mind with this is if it came down state by state by state, Trump would end up winning because the state houses across the board um, are Republican. As far as the majority goes, yeah, so, I think it's yeah they have majority. Mm-hmm. The state the, the state legislators uh, are majority held by Republicans. Yeah, and even so, is even, that where the so so let's just say twenty six states vote for Trump. That takes place in the House, or that takes place in the Senate. That takes place in the House. Okay, so it's not the three hundred whatever or four hundred. What is it that the House is? 400? Three, uh, what is it? Um, I just did a presentation on this the other day. Yeah, I know. Um, so it's 568, yeah, Four, right? 568. I think so. It's, I think 
Hold off the on. top of my head. I think it's I think it is. I think it's 538. Yeah. 538 because it's 270 to win. 270 yeah. times two okay. so, is 540. Right. So, so yeah, 430. Yeah. So it's not 435 votes are put in in the House of Representatives. It's 26. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's 50 votes. Correct. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, then if the uh, Republicans hold the majority of state houses, they're going to mm-hmm. vote for Trump. And and the thing is, like, if you pay attention to what's been going on in these these hearings, like the state legislatures are pissed off at this stuff. Keep in mind, yeah. Michigan, Arizona, Pennsylvania, um, Georgia, all four of those are Republican held House and Senate. And I think it's Wisconsin as, as well. I want to say Wisconsin as well. So I think it's five out of the technically seven. And if you include Minnesota um, disputed elections, uh, Nevada is blue Nevada is state and how or Senate in the house is held by Democrats, but five out of those, those seven are held by Republicans. Yeah. Wisconsin is uh, held by Republicans. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is like you have these States that are going to be like, you know what? We're, 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 uh, we're going to go ahead and take back our, our power to, uh, choose the, the electors. Um, and with, with the vice president, it could get a little weird because who knows who, who <laughs> like, you think about it, the, the percentage when the primaries were going on and all of those uh, people that were running for the, the Democrat candidate, along with Biden, one of them was Harris. And Harris performed so poorly that obviously her, her own party did not care for her. So you never know. Because it's been it's been touted that she's the most liberal of the um, senators, of the yeah, senators. Even, more, even more than Bernie Sanders. Yeah, which is wild. And so, if she's more liberal than all of of them, and it comes down to if somebody does not have a majority through the House uh, choosing for vice president, whenever they take those votes, it could go to the Senate, and if the Senate's like. Girl, I shouldn't say girl, lady, nobody likes you here. So we're voting for someone else. So it could be, it is a possibility um, that people could just start sort of not going rogue, actually going by what the constitution says, but going against the the norms. So, you know, you know how the media, the mainstream media is going to portray this. This is why I'm saying that uh, they're they are not going to tell us the truth. No, they're not going to do it. We've been force fed that this thing has been over and that Biden has broken every record known to man. This is was over, you know, just a couple of days after, and yeah, Biden Biden's won certified. So let's go on to the twentieth amendment. I wanted to talk about section one and section three. Section one says the terms of the president and the vice president shall end at noon on the 20th day of January. Think about that. That's when the president and vice president, their term ends. And the terms of senators and representatives at noon on the third day of January. Of the years in which terms have ended in this article, if this article had not been ratified and the terms of their successors shall then begin. So, um, Vice president, the president and vice president are in office 
at least 17 days more than the senators and representatives. It's like, I mean, if you if you retain if you retain the um, the majority, right? So the the two Georgia Senate uh, the senators that that Senate race isn't happening until I think the fifth, the fifth or the sixth, something like that. Um, and if they're trying to make decisions based on what they should do, um, it's like how long is the the Senate and the House of Representatives? How long will they be in? Mm-hmm. If they can't now, make they a decision, using, are they going to be using the Dominion machines to determine that election? God, I can only imagine. But I'm just saying, it's like it will be who's going to lead that charge. Will it be Nancy Pelosi? I mean, I think it's it's yet to be seen who's going to be the Speaker of the House. Who was it? I don't know if it was Kevin McCarthy. I don't know if he's in the House. Um, stated that uh, she doesn't have enough votes, Pelosi. Yeah. So, well, that's what he was saying. So, who knows going who which Democrats going to you know take the lead on this? I uh, yeah. This guy Edward Foley he he said this. He said this provision contemplates the possibility that the time for inaugurating the new president at noon on January twentieth may arrive without a new president having yet been chosen. The most straightforward textual way this might occur is if it is abundantly clear to all that no candidate has received a majority of the electoral votes. In that event, under the 12th Amendment, the House of Representatives is supposed to elect a president by means of a special procedure in which each state's delegation to the House has one vote, which we talked about. But the 12th Amendment provides that an absolute majority of all states shall be necessary to a choice. So there has to be a majority, like an absolute majority. And thus it is possible that the House will have failed to achieve this choice by the required majority vote before noon arrives on January 20th. In this case, if the Senate has successfully exercised its parallel authority under the 12th Amendment to elect a new vice president when no vice presidential candidate received an electoral college majority, then this provision of the 20th Amendment makes clear, this is wild, that the vice president newly elected by the Senate under the 12th Amendment becomes acting president until such time as the House of Representatives manages to elect a president by the required majority vote. <laughs> so Pence could be the acting president. Very well. This is, uh, yeah, this is going to get screwy. It, dude, this guy, that's why I'm, I'm encouraging people to, you know, to read this text too. Um, okay. I mentioned it earlier. It's, it, he goes but through a lot of stuff. Okay, now we can already, uh, we can't rely on the media to present it in this manner. So who's the referee? Is it going to be the Supreme Court? Are they the ones who are going to determine the rules? Like I said, we can't allow the media. They're not going to do their job. No, the media Um, is done. Like the, the media should not have anything to do with it. But the thing is, like the media is the one that's talking to the people directly. Right, right. And... You know, as as far as I can, I, I, I believe that, you know, they, they C-SPAN does stuff on the House of Representatives, Senators, all this stuff, right? Everything is videoed live in, in real time, even, even so far as like the impeachment trial, all that. And the Supreme Court in the courts? No, you don't get that. So you don't, you're not going to hear the opposing sides. 
during all of this, whether it's whatever case comes before the Supreme Court. So uh, Section 3 says this, and we're going to talk about something that you wanted to talk about here in a second, which is pretty funny. If at the same time, if at the, no, if at the time fixed for the beginning of the term of the president, the president-elect shall have died, the vice president-elect shall become president. If a president shall not have been chosen before the time fixed for the beginning of his term, or if the president-elect shall have failed to qualify, then the vice president-elect shall act as president until a president shall have qualified. So, to an extent, that could be Kamala Harris, the vice president-elect. So, and the Congress may by law provide for the case wherein neither a president-elect nor a vice president shall have qualified, declaring who shall then act as president which I think most likely Pelosi or whoever becomes Speaker of the House, or Mm -hmm. possibly Harris, as you mentioned, because she's she's still a senator. She's yet to relinquish. Yeah. So it's very interesting that supposedly this is all said and done, and she's still an acting senator. Yeah, because if she... um, You know, didn't Obama quit the Senate at some point? I don't know. But I think didn't didn't Pence quit the his governorship? I'm not sure, but if I recall, Obama did quit the Senate at some point mm-hmm. after he was uh, president elect. Yeah, I mean, he was the senator. He's the only senator that I can think of since uh, Kennedy to be elected president. I think he was the last senator to be elected president. Kennedy was. Yeah. He was the senator of uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, Johnson was in the House, I believe. Nixon wasn't a senator. Reagan wasn't a senator. Ford wasn't. A, Ford was in the House. Uh, Carter was a governor. Bush was not a senator. Clinton was not a senator. Bush forty three was not a senator. Obama was a senator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So Kennedy was the last senator to be elected president until uh, Obama came along. And if I recall, Obama did quit the Senate right after he was elected. He did not wait until the 20th of January. She's waiting. She's waiting. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely waiting. waiting. She's waiting for that foot to drop. Yes. I think, uh, you know, if if it was like, okay, Biden. The thing is, is like you can't hold two offices at the same time. No, no. I'm going to see you. I'm going to do real quick. When did Obama quit the Senate? It ended November 16, 2008. So that was, what, less than two weeks after he was uh, elected uh, president. Yeah, elected. Yeah. Yeah. So now now we're in December. It is. It is interesting, um, and maybe it's because you know she's in, she's in Congress, and it's like, I I don't know. I mean, it's like, why don't you uh, step down? I mean, I understand. Like, maybe she sees it as like, look, I'm not stepping down yet because there's some disputes out here. I got eyes, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I got yeah. eyes to see, ears to hear, so. 
I'm not going to step down and then have Gavin Newsom put somebody else in my place, and then now I can't take my spot back. So well, maybe she and Gavin could hook up, and uh, you know she can become Attorney General again. Yeah, that that's a possibility. Yeah. Hook up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So state law changes to elections. Um, it seems that many of the election state laws that were passed benefited, and this is the state laws that were passed this year. Um, there were about 300 lawsuits put out, and about 250 of them were by the Democrat Party asking for changes to state laws regarding the elections. Interestingly enough, pretty much all these laws that were passed benefited one particular party, which would make those laws more or less unlawful and partisan and end up contradicting the 14th Amendment. Because in the 14th Amendment, it says uh, you're not to deny to any person within its, the jurisdiction, its jurisdiction, the state's jurisdiction, the equal protection of the laws. And yeah, Pennsylvania had that issue. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. And so if you're benefiting just one particular party with these laws, um, and the thing is, what ended up what ended up happening, and I think that um I think it was I want to say it was Pennsylvania where mm-hmm. sort of the canvassing laws that were yeah, that different. were that were that were done. Uh-huh. The Secretary of State, I think, had her office only reach out to the counties that were primarily Democratic. Right. And that, was, that, that was a real that big was a issue. There was a different method in, say, Pittsburgh and in Philadelphia compared to the rest of the, yeah, the, rest of the counties or the precincts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a violation of the 14th Amendment. Yeah. Uh, I think Giuliani mentioned that several times. Mm-hmm. No, I mean... To, I mean, it, it is because you're benefiting one particular party and you're, and you're doing it. So knowingly, especially if you're, if you're looking at the, as Axios on that Axios interview, if that guy knows like, look, by and large, Democrats utilize melon ballots far more than Republicans. Republicans are more apt to go to the polls. Democrats are not, which then at the same time sort of makes you wonder like, why is that the case? Is that really the case? You know, like everything right now is so suspicious. Yeah. Like all of, all of our, (laughs) I don't know what kind of life I've been leading, but everything is, everything's up for grabs. You know, everything's under the microscope now. I know. I know. I'm telling you, it just does not seem legit. So here's something that I wanted to mention regarding historical precedent. This has all, bless you. This has all the makings of 1876, the Hayes and Tilden election. I remember that. I was just talking about that, you know. Yeah, I remember that because I had to babysit you. Well, you know, uh, what, what's that? Uh, Dennis Green? No, no, Dennis Dennis Miller. One of his jokes is about Rutherford B. Hayes. And the funny thing is, is I got it. <laughs> I think everyone else is like, <laughs> Hey, I'm one of the few people who gets Dennis Miller's jokes. Well, what was the joke about? It was something about Rutherford B. Hayes. I don't oh, know. It was on the, it was why on would the you do that? Fight. Why would you bring huh? up a Why would you bring up a joke and then not remember it? Because it was Rutherford B. Hayes. 
He's, <laughs> he's forgettable. For very little. I think he helped like Paraguay or Uruguay in some land dispute in South America. And so they, they have pictures of Rutherford B. Hayes in, in like a lot of the homes. I think it's in Paraguay. Oh, God bless him. Good, yeah. good Ohio man. Yeah, like Brazil. I think Brazil and there was like a big war down there, Triple Alliance. Mm-hmm. Paraguay got their asses annihilated and, and some dispute. And uh, there was uh, arbitration of some sort and Hayes sided with Paraguay. So they love him. Well, maybe, that anyway. was, maybe that was part of the joke. But, oh. I, I think I'm sure so. Dennis Miller does a better job because that was not funny. I, you know, well, Dennis Miller makes far more money as a comedian than I do as an IT guy. That's true. So here's the rundown. Tell me if you find any similarities. Tyden, uh, Tyden, Tilden uh, won majority and had won a majority of the electoral college vote. So he had won a majority of the popular vote and a majority of the electoral college votes, but he was one short of 185, which was the, which was the majority that you actually needed. So technically didn't, he had the most, um, but he didn't have the majority per se. He was shy one vote. He was at 184. Now, there were four states, Oregon, South Carolina, Florida, and Louisiana that were still in play. At the time, Rutherford B. Hayes had 165. You needed 185. The total votes for the electoral college, total electoral college votes for those states was 20. Well, Congress was split by party, House of House belonging to the Democrats, Senate re- belonging to the Republicans. And like, hello, this is very similar to right here. Uh, there was accusation by rep- Republicans against Democrats for not allowing black votes to be counted. Democrats accused Republicans of not counting Tilden votes, which I find highly suspect since he had like a quarter of a million more votes uh, than Rutherford B. Hayes. Uh, so Congress assembled an election commission, uh, in, uh, 1877. So more or less the year after the election, because they couldn't figure out how to make this up. So this is something that is stuck, um, via the electoral count act of 1887. And so they ended up creating an election commission, which is made up of five Democrat congressmen, five Republican congressmen, and five, uh, justices of the Supreme court. Uh, so there were two more or less representative justices and two Democrat justices, um, or at least they lean that way. And then there was a guy named David Davis, uh, one of the justices who was an independent. He actually, he actually, uh, recused himself, um, and was replaced by justice Joseph Bradley and the votes went eight, seven along party lines to Hayes. And so, um, part of this, one of the, one of the ways, and then there was, there was obviously massive upheaval. And so the Congress got together, made the compromise of 1877, where the Republicans agreed to have, um, the union soldiers leave those South States. Um, and so, so that they must install when, Hayes as president. Yeah. Cause reconstruction ended in 1876. Yeah, so it was it was all part of this. Yeah. Hmm. Because the they were um the the soldiers were there to help keep keep order, if you will. So now you've got uh during that election massive turnout, eighty two percent. 
82% turnout of the vote. I mean, who's believing that? 1876. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Now, this year, you've got the highest turnout since 1900 at 67%. And obviously, I think that is that continues to go up as the ballots come in. Uh, six states are under dispute, sort of like the four that were under dispute in 1876. Electoral college votes totaling 83. Uh, the House and Senate belonging to two different parties. Will they come to an agreement? Who knows if a commission is held? Clarence Thomas would be the president of the commission because he's been over the Supreme Court the longest, which I think would be just absolute freaking justice if that uh-huh. ended up taking place because of what Biden yeah, did to him. I remember what Biden did. I, I watched it. I saw how Biden... And I remember an interview by Clarence Thomas, and he was stating that what Biden was, was saying made absolutely no sense. <laughs> It's yeah. Oh, that would be funny. I'll be laughing. Yeah, it oh, would. Man, yeah. you talk about be, just yeah. poetic justice right there. Yeah. All right, so let's let's wrap it up here. Um, it all does come down to the state legislatures in Congress. Article one, section four says this: the times, places, and manners of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations, except as to the places of choosing senators. So nowhere is the judiciary, governor, secretary of state, or executive commission ever mentioned. It's up to Mm -hmm. the state legislatures. Um, And Article 2, Section 1, which is more or less the 12th Amendment, uh, which we just just read. Um, Here's another hypothetical that Foley brings out that I think we should uh, possibly end on. I said, imagine both houses of Congress rejecting the position of the Arizona Supreme Court and deciding to count the electoral votes from Arizona that the state Supreme Court considered invalid. So he was using Philadelphia and then he was or Pennsylvania and then he was also using Arizona as examples. And he was saying, imagine if the Supreme Court said, uh, we find these truths to be self-evident, but also we find these votes to be invalid. He said it remains possible that the state Supreme Court is correct about what is the position of state law on the matter. But it is within the constitutional prerogative of Congress to reach the opposite conclusion. The Arizona Supreme Court cannot issue an injunction against Congress demanding that Congress comply with its judicial decree. That would be constitutionally preposterous even if the Arizona Supreme Court is correct and Congress incorrect on the relevant issues of Arizona law. So it doesn't matter once it leaves the state and winds up in D.C., the game's off. So Congress gets to make the choices regardless. And the state legislature, if the state legislature, if the state legislature says, no, we're not abiding by what the Supreme Court has ruled in our state, we're moving forward. Once it leaves the state, it's no longer under the, the, the Supreme Court of that state. It's under constitutional law. Right, which would be the state legislature. Right. Okay. So, there you have well, it. It's some pretty wild stuff, man. And there's, yeah, there's so much more. I, I encourage people to go read the Electoral Count Act of 1887. It's not very long, but it is pretty wildy if you will um it's to an extent hard to follow 
Um, but it's not, it's not too bad, but it does break down how everything is, would more or less work out if you ended up having a, a tie, um, Mm -hmm. or you had the house and the Senate that could, they could not come to an agreement. Um, you have obviously the vice president, uh, who would be over, uh, the Senate, which would be at the time that would be Mike Pence. So that's another thing that you have to keep in mind, like during this whole thing, because that's what I was saying. It's like for like 17 more days, the vice president and president are still Trump and Pence with mm-hmm. a new house and new Senate coming in. Yeah. So everything that comes through and if every, if anything is at a tie, you know, who's breaking that tie. And then everything is run through more or less uh, Clarence Thomas. So it, it, it would be really, really strange uh, if all of this took place and it ends up going until the, you know, into, into January and possibly even into February because the, the House and Senate can't make up their mind. I was going to mention real quick, uh, Rutherford B. Hayes. He's a national hero in Paraguay. Man, I <laughs> thought you were going to do the uh, Dennis Miller joke. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, thanks. I'll have, I'll have to find the joke. But, you know, this is just for everyone's spiritual edification. Uh, there was a war, Paraguay fought a war against the Triple Alliance, uh, Brazil, Argentina, and one of, some other third country. Mm-hmm. And they lost like 70% of their population, 90% of their males were killed in that war. Dang. And there was a, yeah, there was a land dispute and Paraguay didn't want to lose more land, I think, to Brazil. So Rutherford B. Hayes came in, sided with Paraguay. That's right. Wild. They revere him. He's more famous in Paraguay than he is in the United States. I would say so. Yep. All right, man. He's well, our national, yeah, it says here he's our national hero. Beautiful. Yeah. Good old Rutherford. So. All right. So as always, we'd like to end on a scripture, and this scripture is Psalm 11, or as Joe Biden likes to say, Palm 11. Um, Psalm 11 says, uh, "In the Lord." And here's the thing. This is about the foundation of the country. And if we don't trust our elections, then the foundations will crumble. We can't trust them, right? So Psalm 11 says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may shoot privately at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed... What can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked and him that loves violence, his soul hates. But the wicked, he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loves righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. So something to hold on to. Maybe that could be uh, y'all's people's prayer that that truth and righteousness will prevail um, during all of this. All right, Alan, where can people find us? Uh, They can find us on YouTube, parlor, Facebook, Twitter, and that other one, Instagram, Instagram. So parlor, we're officially on. Uh, We're working on it. You're trash. All right, go on, move on. (laughs) Uh, you can also find us on our very own website, www.thesonsofhistory.com. Beautiful. 
Uh, you've got your Thursday night live chats mm -hmm. on Instagram, 9 p.m. Central. Um, I'm going to be doing some more videos on uh, Facebook. And uh, but we're going to actually we're going to start moving everything to YouTube and then from YouTube posting them onto Facebook. So, okay. right. um, yeah, YouTube, we're going to kind of utilize that one a little bit more. A lot of stuff going on right now. A lot of stuff going on. We need to get more more stuff out, which is why we're starting to put our podcast now on YouTube. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that is it for the show. Um, like we said, thesonsofhistory.com. Go get your coffee mugs. Uh, use them as a Christmas present. Uh, you'll love them. All right, ladies make and gentlemen. Make everyone jealous. Yeah, make everyone jelly. All right. Listen. All right, brother. Is that it? All right, all right man. Enjoyed it. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one.